0: Welcome to Garbage of the Five Rings, a podcast where we sometimes forget that if you're recording two episodes in one, both of them still need an intro. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and this week my co-host Jude Vase is in this episode later, but not in this intro. Alright, so we'll pick it back up. Battle yep. has happened. Thunders are inside. Yep. Uh Gohe has some rats and some spirits. They're on on their are they on their way to the capital? Is that where they're heading?
1: Uh they're they're in the battle. Yeah.
0: Okay. So everybody's fighting everybody outside. It's just like it's yeah. you know, a real clan kerfuffle out there.
1: Clan kerfuffle. It's a clan like kerfuffle.
0: It. Uh the thunders are inside. It is time for the thundering.
1: Yeah. And we cut to Kachiko, who is stressed out because there's not enough thunders, which is a valid problem to have, all things considered.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, she's actually on top of it this time. You know, she's right. Like, she's counting heads, and she's like, one, two, three, four. No, this is not yeah.
1: correct. She's she's down one thunder when the doors bang open, and Tsukune and some random Phoenix child show up with Tadaka. I want to be clear that there is literally no information on who this random 10-year-old is. It's a child under the age of 10. That's all that is ever said about it. I, I I looked real hard to find who this was.
0: Who that's let it. a kid into this battle?
1: I don't know. Did the kid
0: accidentally get teleported?
1: It's entirely possible.
0: Like they were just like standing too close, like in the radius of the yeah. portal. And I'm going to bet that's what happened. It was just like this kid. He's like out playing like with his like hoop and stick and like boom, teleported. <laughs> <Hoop> and stick? <laughs> I assume that's what they, I don't know. Whatever children play with. I don't know what kids are into, Legos or something.
1: Anyway, they come in, and Kachiko's next action is to say, cool, thanks for bringing me this mortally wounded Shigenja. (laughs) Now fuck off.
0: Yes. She's like, we need the correct number of thunders. It's like, the number is three. It is not two. It is not four. It is. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Kachiko is very insistent that... It's the correct number of people. We don't need your 10-year-old child. We don't need Sukune. Tadaka, only please. We need this sad, broken man. Now the fight can start.
1: Yeah. And then Shinsei, the the hooded ronin, who is revealed to be the descendant of Shinsei, pops out of his shadow like, and me.
0: I want to point out this is like this is like Hamilton in you have the Schuyler sisters and then there's Aunt Peggy. And so, like, I think he is the Peggy of this moment. Um, he's like <laughs> that forgotten third sister that's like, oh, hey, also there. He shows up and he's like, I'm here. We can start now. And everybody's like, yeah, we've been fucking here this whole time. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for bothering to come.
1: Yeah. There's an interesting line here that I believe was is noteworthy that should be called out. As they're picking up Tadaka to carry him, this is what I believe is the first hint we've ever seen of a relationship between Hoturi and Kachiko. She is a woman in love, Tadaka-san. Kachiko replied, I know precisely how dangerous she can be. So do I, said the crane, as he helped her hold up the wounded phoenix. Kachiko's gaze dropped to the floor.
0: To be fair, Hoturi does know how dangerous a woman in love can be. As you'll recall... She will kidnap you and turn you into an evil egg lord. So, yeah. <laughs> like, hell hath no fury <laughs> like yeah. a woman Uh a, a woman with an egg. That's that's yeah. how that saying goes. Hell hath no fury like a woman with an egg.
1: Yeah, precisely. <laughs> I have not to this point. I don't recall any any indication to this point of Kachiko and hotori having a relationship being referenced any at any point before this.
0: So. No, I don't think so, um, other than the kidnapping.
1: But like. Yeah. So Shinsei's crow flies in, and everybody's like, oh, he's got a crow just like his ancestor. Like nobody's ever trained a fucking crow before. So he's got his fucking ensemble uh, ready to go, and they they march in. They stomp into the throne room, and Lang is in full Fulangitude, uh, at which point Yokuni reveals himself to be Togashi. Uh, he throws off his mortal raiment and reveals his that he is a dragon. So does Fulang. They be, both become dragons, and they have a little a little dragon wrestling match.
0: God, this is so 90s.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> at which point, Fulang fucking breaks Togashi's spine. Like a twig? It doesn't say like a twig. But, but we he, can assume. We can assume, since it's Fulang and his spine was broken, that it was like a twig. Yeah. Um. Uh, As Togashi lays dying, fooling, gloats, Hitomi saunters over and yanks a black scroll out of Togashi's heart. Uh, So I have questions here. I'm not an expert. I am not a cardiologist. However, my son had a heart condition. I've spent a lot of time in cardiologist's office staring at those creepy heart diagrams.
0: Did any of them have black scrolls in them?
1: Well, no, none of them had black scrolls in them. And I'm also reasonably certain that if you had a black scroll in your heart, your heart could not beat very well. So I'm not sure how this works. I feel like that would, at a minimum, give you a pretty some pretty severe angina.
0: We talked about this, that he has a chest compartment. He is a Mr. Potato Head. And that would be in his butt. If the scroll like... was in
1: his butt, then he could be a Mr. Potato Head. But he, it's not in his butt. It's in his heart. He'd that's what she has like, the
0: obsidian hand for.
1: I'm, I'm just saying that this du- it's this the makes. Taint. <laughs> pedul- I'm an adult. <laughs> no part of this makes sense. Um, uh, no. Anyway, she so it, this whole thing is dumb. She yanks a a, a black scroll out of his heart, because if you will recall, so, we only
0: had eleven to this point. Like that's an important yeah. point here that there are twelve black scrolls. We. Did not have the 12th one. Turns out it was inside Yokuni all along. The Black Scroll was in our hearts
1: all along. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She absorbs some of his power through the obsidian hand. This is a random line that shows up in like one place. I'm not entirely sure what the sourcing is on that. Uh, But here's something wild. Speaking of sourcing, I can't find any indication that the whole Yokuni is the Togashi from any material released at the time of Clan Wars. I suspect that this was read out at Gen Con. So I went fucking deep into, figuring, into finding out what was actually read and discussed at Gen Con itself. And bunch. there was basically the whole story of the battle in the throne room that we're talking about right now was read out or extemporized as it ended up happening. And we'll talk about that in a little bit by John Wick after the tournament result. And I suspect that that is where this information that Yokuni know, was Togashi was revealed because it's not actually written down anywhere. Fun fact.
0: Because like that's the thing that like I've always mm-hmm. known, and like I haven't done a huge deep dive on the lore really until now. Um, you know, I've always sort of like casually known it. Same same as you that like a lot of it is secondhand from people that I played with, but that was like a fundamental fact that I knew.
1: There's a bunch of stuff related to gen con 97 that's like that so anyway you want to take this next piece
0: sure so you know hitomi decides to do what you do with black scrolls because that's gone so well for everybody else how does she find out that like yes definitely open this
1: Uh, i'm guessing that yokuni must have told her what to do Otherwise, why would you randomly reach into the chest cavity of your clan founder? Right. Yeah. And look Um, So she decides
0: to open it. And then there's like this whole Aladdin scene where like Fulang is now super powerful. And he's like, ha ha. And then Shinsei is like, well, actually, we can kill you now. And so he's not really infinitely powerful. He's just regular. He's a regular dude with a regular meat body now. And meat bodies suck.
1: Hard agree. Yeah. It turns out that when Isawa, the original Thunder, bound Fulang's essence in the 12 scrolls, the final part of the spell was to make him mortal. So by opening the 12 scroll, Fulang becomes mortal. So he's got power. He's fully charged now, but he's also mortal and thus killable which is soup's important.
0: So, is Shinsei the one that knows this? Like why does he know that? Because there has to be a reason for him to be in this theme.
1: Because uh, presumably because it was Shinsei's descendant Sh- the original Shinsei passed that the knowledge down. only recently down just found out he was even over related. Time?
0: He like went on ancestry.com, figured this out, it. and now it's like, "Oh, just kidding, I know all the secrets." <laughs> like he took one fucking DNA test and now he's yeah. like I'm one eighteenth should say, and I can do whatever I want. It's bullshit <laughs> and I hate it.
1: The the whole hooded running thing, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. This is my favorite part. Komoko. Who?
0: I really put that on the outline because I couldn't remember who Komoko was. So I put a comment on the outline. Which one is that even?
1: Otaku Komoko uh gets backhanded into a corner knocked unconscious and that is the extent of her of her participation in the day of thunder the unicorn thunder literally gets one hit swatted unconscious and that's it that's her whole thing here the whole day
0: so my reading this i was like wow the unicorn must have been really bad right they,
1: they justify it later on they must but, have just
0: like but like i'm thinking like in tournaments and stuff where the unicorn doing really bad but like we see that the phoenix must have been like super terrible. What what the f- did, were people just not playing the unicorn? Like, why are there no unicorn?
1: I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. In the storyline later on, they actually ju- try and justify what was going on with this, but
0: um, yeah, like implying that they were actually they were just busy with other super cool shit.
1: Uh, no, that um, they justify it by saying that Fulang was uh, that Utaku was Fulang's favorite sibling, and the reason that he didn't. That he swatted her out right of the way is he didn't want to hurt her.
0: Wasn't Shinjo, he, though? Was,
1: Shinjo. Sorry, not talk okay. Shinjo. Yeah, Shinjo was his favorite sibling. And he, like, through some vestigial affection for her, like, didn't want to murder the Thunder right away. So he just kind of, like, backhanded her into a corner to take care of it. Something like that.
0: Okay, whatever.
1: Anyway, more bullshit.
0: Yeah. Yakumo. you know, let's talk about some crabs.
1: Yeah, Yakimo, uh, his jade hand protects him from Fulang's magic for a bit as he charges in with Hattori following in his wake while Tadaka uses his magic to give them uh, some help. I'm not even sure though how Tadaka is doing like jade strike and stuff on Fulang, but I don't understand how that works given he's as tainted as he is. Meanwhile, fucking Tatori is literally like Eating a granola bar, hanging out, sitting back, thinking about stuff.
0: It's important to be, like, well-rested and to, like, have a good snack before you go in and do something. You know, like, it's important to eat breakfast before a test. It's important to have nothing but granola and plain water, like lukewarm water if you are to These are facts.
1: Yeah. Uh, at that point, though, he remembers that he's the protagonist of this story. And tells Tadaka to throw the throne at Fulang, which is stupid, I guess.
0: Was it the only thing that wasn't nailed down?
1: Yeah, I guess. If you're a tactical genius, that apparently that's the move.
0: It's a jade throne. Uh, that's like a lot of jade coming at your face.
1: Yeah, it's jade. Is it? gonna? I don't know. Anyway. I mean, I don't know if the it's throne. like
0: straight up jade, but it's the jade throne.
1: He throws the throne at, at Fulang, who seems minorly distracted for a second. So he charged, at which point he charges in uh, and gets grabbed by the throat for his trouble. And Fulang really blows a chance to snap his neck like a twig and save us all the trouble of what comes next, imperially speaking. Spoilers. But, (laughs) at which point Kachiko gets in there. Of course. And stabs him in the eyes with her hairpins.
0: You can't see my face, listeners. But it's not happy. Yeah, because we can't give her actual weapons, right? You know, we're like, yeah. you know what? Oh, she's got hairpins. That's great. Yeah, you want to bet that this woman doesn't have a knife stashed in her bra somewhere? Like, come on now.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm mistaken. Uh, it's not her hairpins yet. It's just her. She's just savaging his eyes with her fit with her like nails or something.
0: Oh, even better.
1: Yeah, we'll just claws hairpins. Mm-hmm. The hairpins come later.
0: Okay. Great. Great.
1: Yeah. Great. He drops to Tori and grabs Kachiko. That's where we're at. Hotori goes in for the kill and gets a fist punched through his chest or into his chest for his trouble, as one does. Mm-hmm. And Tadaka throws some jade arrows. Again, I'm still not clear on how, if these are magical energy or actual jade but doesn't matter because they get deflected right back into his own taint riddled body Wait, which how do you i'm sure throw feels
0: arrows great. like that's not how you use those i don't
1: know that's what that's what it says
0: right? <laughs> yeah, like i don't even know i don't even know okay that's fine it's like you know what? I don't have a bow i'll just throw them don't worry about it it's great
1: mm, this is my favorite part where Lang smacks to tori with his own sword
0: god that feels so good
1: yeah right uh, and then chains Yakimo up with uh, Chains of Darkness, uh, at which point I have to say I'm really enjoying how this is going. Yeah,
0: I like, I like how this battle is turning out.
1: Um, this is the point at which I realized I don't like any of these characters.
0: Kamoko seems fine.
1: <laughs> I, and That's literally the, the my, my next bullet point. As I was writing this outline, I, I had this moment where I realized I don't like any of them. They all suck. Komoka was the only one I really have no strong negative opinion about, and that's because she's done nothing.
0: I mean, I don't dislike Hitomi. Like, I dislike what they've done to her, but like,
1: she is a person. A lot of this, a lot of my negative opinions are based on stuff that will happen in the future. Right. Hotori, for example, is based on events that we will learn about in the future. Hitomi is based on stuff that we will learn about in the future. But for the great heroes of the Day of Thunder, you think they could have produced a less bullshit crop of samurai. Because these guys are all shitty, except for Komoko, who's just fucking boring.
0: Yeah. I mean, so is this supposed to be like flawed hero kind of like? No, because Totori isn't flawed.
1: No, Totori's not flawed. He just sucks. He's just terrible. But that's who we, I mean, all right. Anyway.
0: Yeah, you're right. I don't like any of these people. I'm rooting for fooling. I mean, which, like, let's be honest. You and I would have done that anyway. Like, let's, I mean, we should, we should get that out of the way. Because I think that I edited out of our episode zero because I was like, people will figure this out. Um, we don't need to say it.
1: My avatar has me literally wearing Degotsu's mask on Twitter. I don't think I need to- I mean, to, there's blood like...
0: dripping out of the microphone. And yeah, I mean, when I asked Jess to do my my art, <laughs> I was like, here's a picture of Shahai. Here's a picture of me. Make this happen.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So uh,
0: we are who we are. Uh, go fooling. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Team 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 Shadowlands over here.
0: Um, and you know, I'm for anyone that smacks Tutori with his own sword at this point. Like, I would love yeah. to like I would love to fucking smack him with his own sword.
1: For sure. Uh Hitomi, speaking of Hitomi, is doing nothing. She's standing in a corner after opening the scroll, just Standing there.
0: Okay, which to be fair, opening a scroll has like fucked up everybody. So like the fact that she's still standing is not, you know. Yeah. She's doing okay. Uh,
1: Now's your favorite part. Kachiko yanks out her hairpins while being choked by Fulang.
0: And like not in a sexy way.
1: Yeah. And
0: (laughs) no, not in a sexy way. I edit this. I can take that out later. I won't take that out later.
1: (laughs) And with those hairpins, she puts out Fulang's eyes. Fun fact, according to Time of the Void, the pins were made with the shards of ambition, the sword that provoked her husband to the coup that started all this bullshit, which begs the question, has she been wearing shards of ambition in her hair this whole time?
0: That explains so much. Right? She's got hairpins made of a blood sword.
1: seems dumb Hattori who miraculously for having a fist literally punched through his rib cage is not dead which I call bullshit on but yeah I
0: I mean it's the least bullshit of the bullshit so sure yeah sure
1: um he stands up and him and Tatori move in that same moment Tatori later says he felt the spirit of Suko give him strength
0: oh my god I think I threw up in my mouth. A uh, bit. She
1: felt he felt her spirit guide him in that moment. If that were true, he'd have killed Hotori and not Fu Lang. But I'm sure that it played well with the home crowd. Totori takes off Fu, Fu Lang's head while Tutori, while Hotori stabs him through the heart.
0: Just to be sure.
1: Uh, after the battle, Hotori and Kachiko have a private moment while he dies. Aww. Uh <sighs> Pretty clear here that Scorpion Clan Ku was already in development, and they were. Laying the seeds for the plot that they're going to be revealing in the next set. There's no hint to this point uh, of anything between them but hate. And now all of a sudden there's these hints of this relationship that we're seeing.
0: Well, I mean, I think that like when you're dying, you know, you're like going to put all that behind you. You know, like, you know what? I forgive you for turning me into an evil demon and like kidnapping me and holding me hostage because um, I'm dying. I think that, like, in my final moments, I would really want to forgive someone for that. Just kidding. I would
1: never. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> Don't cross me. So they have their little moment. He asks to see her face without the mask. She complies. And the last thing he feels before he dies is a single tear. What?
0: Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> okay, so, dead stop. Her mask is like a tiny little domino mask made of lace. So is this like every shitty superhero thing where you're like, how can people not tell who you
1: are? Yeah, it's it's kind of a gesture, I get. I mean, I guess it's like an
0: emotional thing of like, oh, I can really trust you now. I can see who you finally really are. But like, really, dude, like, come on. Like, you have only so many breaths left because you have been punched through the chest. Stop wasting air on bullshit. <laughs>
1: presumably um,
0: which I could also say about making this podcast but
1: yeah presumably given what we are hinting at that they had a relationship in the past he's already seen her without the mask so maybe that's what he's looking to be reminded of
0: (laughs) all I can think is that like she leaves her mask on and he leaves his socks on (laughs) and that's how this goes
1: Tatori to definitely leaves his socks. No,
0: he me. totally does. He seems like that kind of dude.
1: Uh, so anyway.
0: Okay. <laughs> cool. Now that we have uh, did-
1: <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So anyway, the day that's it. Fulang is dead. And the dumbest part of it is that they brought seven thunders and only needed four. Tadaka, Yakimo, and Komoko do basically nothing.
0: Hitomi only kinda does. Like she, she gets things started.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hitomi plays plays her role, but Komoko soups does nothing. Yakimo definitely is pointless. And Tadaka, arguably, he contributes, but he ultimately does not uh, does not really play a role. Yeah. Uh, he helps create a distraction, but I mean, not really. So some interesting notes about how this all went down.
0: Yes, let's talk about like how all of this came to be. Because yeah. it's um there's a lot going on and like this is like one of the fundamental things about l5r and like how it because up to this point we've had a lot of fred um fred has really been driving the bullshit here but like now we're starting to get into the point where like
1: it's the player's fault.
0: Right. And and that's not to say that, like, this is a thing that was ruined by the players, because I don't think that this was, I, I think that the parts of this that are bad are fully on the writers and not the players. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is where we start to get into the things that will fundamentally shape L5R going forward.
1: Yeah. So the way GenCon 97 was set up, and I got, I asked a bunch of people on Twitter and Facebook for who had actually been at Gen Con about this, and I also tracked down a book called 40 Years of Gen Con, which contained uh, John Wick's account of this uh, tournament. Wick showed up uh, a bunch of sealed envelopes that contained how the, what the outcome of the story would be based on which clan won. And as the day goes by, as clans are eliminated, he tears up these envelopes. And supposedly inside the envelope is the only copy of this story of how these, what the storyline would have looked like if these different clans had won. Um, And as the day goes further and further in, we get these various matchups happening. And towards the end of the day, the two, the last two Naga players in the finals get together and they refuse to actually fight. They say, we're Naga. We would never, the Naga won't fight each other. That's not a thing that would ever happen. They go to the story team and they say, Can we just not play? We that's not what the Naga would do. And the story team are like, Can we draw or something? And the story team is like, Yeah, that's fine. That's cool. We 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 dig that. That we think that's cool that you you take that seriously.
0: Yeah, I so, I like that. I like the point that like people were like, No, the story is important too.
1: Yeah. So we go we fast forward a little bit and we get down to the final match of the game. Um, I do want to call out A super fun fact, tying for third at Gen Con 97 is a familiar name that you may know. Playing Lion in third place, Steve Horvath. Oh, Steve. Yeah. Steve Horvath is now the head of publishing for Asmodee North America, a.k.a. Fantasy Flight Games. And Steve was more or less the reason why Fantasy Flight Games now owns L5R. According to a conversation that I heard a recording of, John Zinser gave a talk about how the sale kind of happened. And it was more or less Steve Horvath's deep abiding love of L5R. They were talking at Gen Con uh, the year before the sale, and they were kind of talking about it. And... It came up that they were having some thoughts about how to restructure L5R at AEG, and Steve was like, just sell me the fucking game, man. Like, what? Do you, like, just let me do it. Don't try and restructure how the game works. Sell it to me. I want this game. And that's what happened.
0: I'll try and... I'll make a note to myself to put a link in the show notes, but Jim McClure did a really interesting interview with um, Zinzer after the sale, talking about kind of how some of that went, too. It's been a while since I listened to it, but from... Hearing about, like, that story from Zinder's point of view was super interesting, too. So,
1: Yeah. But I think it's it's super cool that somebody who was there on the very first Gen Con tournament, the Day of Thunder, the second Day of Thunder, is now responsible for the sale and is now in, helping shepherd the game. I think that's very cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I know, like, that the whole sale was very controversial and, like, I'm not going to get into that and everything. But it does – it's nice to know that it's, like, still – like, it has yeah, that, can, like, emotional connection to it, too. Like, I know people have lots of opinions about it. I really like the Fantasy Flight version. It's very good. But it's, it's still, like, that emotional, like, nostalgia part of it is still really cool.
1: There's a lot of valid opinions about the sale and about Fantasy Flight as a company. But I don't think you can question uh, Steve's love of L5R or his uh, dedication to the game. I don't think there, you could ask for somebody uh, better to want to care for the game. He, he really is a lifelong fan of the game. I think it's good to have somebody like that in your corner.
0: Absolutely. So John Wick anyway, is there. He has some envelopes.
1: Yeah, he's got these envelopes. And so he gets down to the final two, Lion and Crane. And they possibly slash probably influenced by the Naga thing. They get down to it, and they think, and they say, "Lion, you know, Tatori and Hotori were best friends. These guys wouldn't fight. The they would not be in conflict. We we don't want to do this. Can we flip a coin, or can we? Can one of us concede to the other?" And the guy, the the judges are like, "No, come on, guys, fuck off. Like, you got to play something." And when it finally, came, and they finally came down to it, and they said, "All right, fine. You can pl- play the game out." um but you don't have to but then at the end one of you can concede i think is how it worked out or is that right anyway it what it it came down to is they got down to the end and they didn't play out the last move they played the game but they didn't play out the last move i think is how it ended up working and that was where the Tatori to and Hotori strike down Fu Lang together. Because that was what the two players wanted, is they wanted the their characters to go after Fu Lang together at the same time. So they finish their match and Wick tears up all the envelopes, the lion and the crane one, and stands on a chair and extemporizes the Day of Thunder storyline to the crowd right there off the top of his head. Presumably based on the lion one, more or less, but makes up all the the other details, uh, kind of pulls it out of his ass right there. And that's where the day, the second Day of Thunder storyline came from, was the crowd listening right there and taking notes. That's where those details come from.
0: I I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I'm very conflicted.
1: I think it's cool that they were able to influence the story like that.
0: Yeah, I guess I have no problem with the players, like, doing that. I mean and I can see from like a judge's standpoint where they're like no, we've built especially because like I said this is like the first like big big one event being like n- no, the whole point of this tournament is like it influences the story and we want, you know. And so two people yeah. at the end being like, let's just not. I could see it like being a real yeah. like a a real yeah. kink in the the plan, but I don't know how I feel about like John Wick standing up in front of everybody and being like all right, here's what it is. Like, I don't know. I,
1: I, I want a I think story we're biased team. Because I
0: want a story team.
1: <laughs> well, I think we're biased because we have some thoughts about John Wick. That's uh, true. By all accounts, it was a an extremely epic kind of like.
0: I mean, it dramatic certainly would be like an experience. Moment. Like, I think that like yeah. being there would be like fucking cool.
1: Yeah, it was apparently extremely uh, dramatic. Uh, the way he, he tore up the remaining envelopes and then gets up on a chair and just starts like exclaiming how the story went down to the crowd. So I was very cool to be able to dig up those details. It took took a little bit of work to, to dig them all up. And uh, thanks to everybody that uh, helped me with that. There were a number of people uh, that reached out and responded to my requests for help on that one. So thank you to all of you guys. That was super cool. So yeah, that that was how that's the the second day of thunder. <laughs> My favorite bullshit detail from this is that n- once they had killed Fulang, would you care to guess what they did with the body?
0: I, I don't know, like nothing. ate it or
1: Nothing. They just left it there and left the room.
0: Have we learned nothing? Which is So like I mean there's this plague, right? And people like dead people are coming back as zombies. And so we learned very quickly that you have to burn the bodies. Yep. Why can we not go A to B logically? Yep. We should burn the body. I mean, is there some like part of it because it's like, oh, it's it's still technically the body of. Well,
1: I mean, eventually they go back for it. I'm just saying the thunders kill him and they just like walk out and leave him in the room unattended long enough for someone to steal the head.
0: Look, you turn away for two seconds and somebody comes in and steals the head. You know, I mean, we've all been there.
1: We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So we're going to wrap this up with the aftermath because the Empire is all fucked and there's, there's stuff to talk about there.
0: I assume that what happens is everybody is like super good friends now. Um, they're going to burn the body of Fulang. They're going to roast some marshmallows. They're going to sing some campfire songs, and everything's going to be great. Um, How how correct am I?
1: Not so much. Damn it. The first piece of terrible news is that Tutori is now the emperor.
0: What? I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so is that a result of this turn? Like, because the lion won, Tutori gets yeah. to be emperor? Mm-hmm. I have, yeah. I have thoughts.
1: Uh, the line is, as he stands up on the wall of the palace, the, survi- the surviving clans look on the heir of Shinsei for guidance for who should be emperor. He sees in their eyes, and now I'm extemporizing, that they are stupid and have already decided on who to pick. They apparently like all vanilla ice cream, egg white omelets, and oversteamed vegetables, so they pick Tatori. That's like how it's justified in the game, is that the, the armies go to the, the heir of Shinsei, to, for who should be the next emperor. And he's like, you already know. And it's Tatori. Um his army, Tatori's army becomes the new Imperial Guard since the Imperial Guard is all dead.
0: They'll never be as good as Ishikawa. So I just I don't the This is bullshit. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I mean it's bullshit that Tutori's Emperor, because like fuck Tutori. But like clearly the story was leading up to this. And I know that, like, you and I have talked about the fact that, like, there is a little bit of that, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, we knew Tutori was going to become the Emperor. Shock. Surprise. But there's so much of this, like, Tutori can do no wrong. Everybody loves Tutori. He keeps coming back. He keeps showing up places. Everybody is like, we want him to be in charge. Like, everybody except Suko is like, Tutori's so fucking great.
1: Yeah. Like, there you, was no you, way
0: that he wasn't going to be Emperor, right?
1: It feels like... Anything else would have been a shock. Like anybody else becoming emperor would have would have felt super weird and surprising, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like who else could it? Like, you know, like thinking through is like,
1: well, like so, Hitomi would have been weird. Yakumo like would have been other, weird. They all would have been weird for sure. They all would have felt like unexpected. You know what I mean? Yeah. They all would have felt kinda of out of nowhere. I
0: mean, it just so. feels like this was you know, and I'm not not for a minute implying like, oh, the tournament was rigged or something like that. But I'm saying that like the writers clearly had a view of how this was gonna go. And like soup's great the tournament went that way. I yeah. I really wonder what this would look like because I just I think you're right. Like there's no there's no other choice mm-hmm. like other than like what kachiko is empress but like there's no scorpion so I'm like that's not gonna happen like yeah like a fucking naga wasn't gonna be emperor like
1: yeah i don't know i don't know what was gonna happen there so and
0: we'll never know because he tore up the papers
1: yep anyway yeah so what else is going on the scorpion are back um
0: where do they get scorpions from
1: Apparently, the scorpion have been sort of around, hiding since the coup, and they just kind of come out of the woodwork like lice. Ew. Um, also,
0: lice don't live in woodwork. That's termites. Whatever.
1: I'm, they, they sort of pop back up, and the scorpion are, are back in action pretty quickly. hmm
0: The dragon clan are now without their mystic mountain man. Yeah, that's but a it's not bummer. a big deal
1: because they've got a new boss. Uh, several clans have new bosses. Um, the dragon chief among them. The There's a bunch of clan letters that were released after the Day of Thunder, and the dragon clan letter is actually pretty interesting. Um, it's written from Hitomi's point of view, and it's clear she's pretty fucked up from reading that scroll and from tearing it out of Togashi's chest, and not like emotionally, but like metaphysically, like that clearly did some stuff to her.
0: Yeah, I mean, so like she opened speaking. up like a super tainted scroll and also absorbed some God power. So like she's got some shit going on.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it was even the taint. I think they're – so I, I'm i familiar with what happens in Hidden Emperor. So I know what they're hinting at in a couple of places there. I don't know. Are you – Yeah. Do you, do you know what's going on there? Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know all the Hidden details, Emperor? but I, I know where we end up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So you can sort of see some of the stuff that they're hinting at yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, uh, Daini, the Naga weeb, uh, is given permission to stay with the Naga. Uh, and that's going to get weird.
0: <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: So that's that's fun.
0: Cool for him. I'm glad he's happy.
1: Yeah. Uh, other cl- new clan champions. Uh, Doji Kawanen, the brother of Hoturi, is now the Crane clan champion. Ikoma Tsanurai is now the champion of the lion.
0: In Ikoma? Uh, did we run out of Akotas? I don't know. Because, I she mean, like, they was... all got... I mean, they all got ronin did Right. So, like, the Okota family was disbanded when yeah. Totori was made I, a Ronin. I don't know
1: if they... I think maybe they haven't gotten their name back. Yeah.
0: But why wouldn't Tutori just do that?
1: I don't know. I know that he chose her because she's basically his daughter, for all intents and purposes. She was raised in the monastery where Tatori was living, mm. and she's his protege for all intents and purposes. Gotcha. And then, as we've already discussed, Phoenix, Shiba Sukune, is now the Phoenix Clan champion. Yeah. And then, I guess, Yoritomo, uh, the Mantis, is now officially a great clan. Titori, now that he is Emperor, officially makes, his, makes the Mantis Clan officially a great clan, and... Yoritomo beats his chest like a big gorilla and is happy with himself. Yeah, you want to talk about your dumb fire chickens? Uh,
0: they're they're gonna take some time to rebuild. Um, it's it's a rebuilding year. <laughs> they're, you know, <laughs> they have to like check out their minor league teams and see what's up. They have nobody. <laughs> they're they're super yeah, in need of Shigenja, and they're definitely not gonna like kidnap any children to make up for that. I'm sure. Is that don't what? they
1: mm-hmm? like? Aren't they so thoroughly hurting for Shugenja that they, like, say they'll take any Shugenja? Like, anybody can now... Yeah, and they
0: definitely don't kidnap children to make that happen.
1: I'm I'm getting the impression that they actually do kidnap Uh, children. uh,
0: You know, so this is my understanding of it. It's been a long time since I've, like, read through a lot of the lore. But, uh, yeah, there's um, some hinting at it that, like, maybe... Um, you know, I, I definitely they buy some children, for sure. That
1: seems legit.
0: It's fine. Yeah. So anybody with like sort of magical inclinations, they're like, sure, come on in. Uh you're a phoenix. We'll soon.
1: train you up. Right. You're a phoenix now.
0: Um, and they're so they're trying to rebuild their elemental council. Um, their master of void has just wandered off. So Kaede, yeah. somewhere in all of this process, well, I guess early on, right at the beginning, maybe she becomes Master of Void. It's somewhere between the yeah. coup and clan wars, right?
1: Right after the coup, she becomes the master of void. Because her father goes and wandering then, off. Yeah. And then she becomes the oracle of the void shortly before the day of thunder. And that leaves the elemental council gone.
0: Right. Um, because Ishiken are very rare. So yeah. like they can't just find a new one. Even yeah. They can't even just kidnap one. The crab are not friends with Shadowland anymore.
1: So they got to make some new friends.
0: Right. Which is really hard as an adult, you know? Okay. Um, it's good. <laughs> you and I became friends as grown-ups. Look at us now. Um, we're doing okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: Making this dumb podcast. Right,
0: exactly. Uh, we've met in person twice. It was fine. Three times? I don't know. Whatever. They are trying to take back their shit because the... Um, they...
1: They really are impressed with the Naga. And they make plans with the Naga to retake Haikyo no Haruma, the ancient homeland of the Haruma, apparently. Mm-hmm.
0: Which was like yeah, like some shadowlands creep kind of kind of took that over a little bit maybe. Yeah. So all these people are dead. You know, we're getting new champions, we're fixing up these clans, we're figuring shit out. You know who's not dead?
1: Kuni Kuniyori.
0: Kuni Creep sauce motherfucking Kuni Yori.
1: Yeah, you remember how I mentioned that, uh, that whole thing about Fulang's body being left unattended, which seems dumb to me. Turns out it was dumb.
0: And you know what is like the creepiest thing somebody could do is take the head of a dead emperor who was inhabited by an evil god. So, what's Kuni yeah. Yori gonna do? Exactly that. He's gonna take that head. Yeah.
1: I also like that in the Crab Clan letter, uh Yakimo admits in the letter that he did not tell the new Emperor That's like the day one of the new emperor, he does not tell Tatori that he knows Kuni Yori is still alive. He's like, Yeah, I know I know Yori is still alive. Uh but I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna mention that. That seems like information that's gonna get, make me look bad. So I'm just not gonna we're just gonna let that slide.
0: Yeah, I just can't understand, like, what the logic be- like behind that is. It's like, you know, Tutori of all people knows what a motherfucker Kuni-Yori is. So, like, I don't know, it seems like a yeah. big deal. He gave you a weird claw hand with a tiny tentacle underneath it? Like, he seems like a dude that should be stopped. <laughs> He's giving people tentacles. He must be stopped. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Last, I guess, well, sort of last, the unicorn are fine because they didn't do anything. And Tutori recognizes this. So he makes like almost all of them emerald magistrates and sends them off to uh, restore law and order.
0: They're the only ones that have horses to get places. He's like, you know what? You guys brought your own vehicles. (laughs) Off you go.
1: Yep. And um, that's about it.
0: I'm really excited to find out what happens next in the story. Now that Taturi is emperor, we can move forward and figure out um, what's going to happen with him.
1: Yeah. Oh wait. Just no.
0: kidding. <laughs> we go backwards. Yeah. All that shit we didn't explain to you. Let's go back and explain that now. Yeah. And we think people will find it super interesting because <gasps> how will it end?
1: Oh, yeah. We don't
0: know. Right. <laughs> oh my god, you guys, it's terrible.
1: Gen Con was in August of 1997. Scorpion Clan Coup came out from December of 97 to February of 98. And then Hidden Emperor came out in May. So we've got a little, they sort of slipped in Scorpion Clan Coup right at the top of the next year.
0: Yeah, Scorpion uh, Clan Coup sort of is backfill. Is pretty short. Um, like as far as the number of fictions and stuff that we had to read, I think for this one, we had to read 174, I want to say.
1: Plus RPGs and bullshit.
0: Right. Um, and so Scorpion Clan Coup only had like 34, I think. Yeah, it's tiny. Um, so yeah, we, we were able to do that in two days instead of like four months. (laughs) Um, yeah. So it's- Well, plus
1: we've gotten a lot better at this. Yeah,
0: we have. We've got a system. So it's not so bad. It's just very weird. To go back Yeah, there's a lot. I'm still stuck on that. Like, we've been talking about it since day one. It makes no sense to me. But whatever. It's what they want. to do.
1: So, apocryphally, the game was only supposed to last for one arc. They were only going to do through the second Day of Thunder, and then they were going to end L5R and go do another story. Like, a whole different story. But people were so invested in these characters and the story of L5R, they decided to continue it rather than do a whole new story. Interesting. Um, And that's why they then decided to go back and do Scorpion Clan Coup to backfill the story a little bit and then continue. I don't know if that's true, but that's where I heard that a couple of different times. And I actually.
0: It would kind of make sense. It still yeah, doesn't explain to me sense. why they didn't think the coup was important from the beginning, but that's fine.
1: Well, I it makes sense in that if your goal is just to tell one specific story, you don't need to tell every piece of backstory. You just tell enough to get on with telling the story you want to tell. Now, they didn't do that. They didn't really do that very well, but that's true. They I get why that would be how you your logic, right? Um, yeah. But then yeah. once you decide
0: and seeing a Scorpion clan who doesn't last very long, like I could see how that's yeah. like, you know, like it's some off season yeah. summer And television. then once they decide
1: that they're going to continue to go forward with the story, then they realize like, okay, well, now we should go back and actually tell this full story so that we have a stable base to move forward with. Ish.
0: Yeah, that so. makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what happened. Apparently, some people think it is. So yeah. I could I could buy that.
1: So that's... Uh,
0: that's that's Clan Wars.
1: I got to tell you, I could not be happier to never fucking read Time of the Void ever again.
0: I'm going to sign you up at a catacon to run like 12 sessions of Time of the Void.
1: I swear to God, I will do <laughs> terrible, terrible things if you do that. Uh, my enthusiasm for being done with Time of the Void is tempered only by the fact that I will have to read Cuden uh, Seppin, The Scorpion Sting several times over the next few weeks while we do scorpion clan coup
0: and that clan wars novel
1: <laughs> and that clan wars novel there's plenty of pain for me in the future but yeah i i yeah we're done with clan wars that feels good
0: i should say that i think we're going to do one more episode to kind of cover a few things that uh we left out because they didn't really fit into the larger story there are a couple things that yeah. um we just kind of uh, there are a few things too that were just like that's weird. super weird <laughs> like that time yakimo says ragamuffins uh well you know we'll talk about it yeah so we're gonna do one more quick like clan wars last minute bits and bobs whatever yep. you want to call it um and then yeah then we're gonna start moving to the coup garbage of the five rings is an independent production and can be found online at www.garbageofthefiverings.com com and on twitter at g5r podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. My co-host, Jude Vase, can be found on Twitter at Eremitic Jude. Sources for this episode and further information on the topics discussed can be found in the show notes. Thanks for letting us waste your time. We'll be back in two weeks.